This is the Bar Stewards Enquiry. You are talking absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. In, in what way? You are an underachiever in life. You were, I saved your bacon one time. You were gone. Well, I couldn't save you. I, I don't know if you are, but you said the right thing. But well, that's why you don't know anything about racing, John. I, I didn't say I do. Right? I'm saying that. What have you contributed to racing? You are one of these take out merchants. Take out all you can. And a very warm welcome to the Bastards Inquiry Weekend Podcast. My name's Lee Keys of SystemBet.co.uk. With me this evening, two fine gentry. Um, one you know very well, John Ling of John Joe's Blogspot. And with with us tonight is Andy Richmond, former racing TV pundit and sound form judge. Welcome, chaps, Andy and John. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Um, it's a good show we've got tonight. We uh, obviously we're going to be looking at Haydock for the uh, obviously the big Vernon's Sprint Cup, and then we've got races at Ascot to look through and Kempton, and we'll also look at the pre Moulin. Obviously, uh, a lot has been taken away from the fact that Poetic Flair now does not go um, for that event, which is taking the shine off a potentially big clash with Baid, but we'll still uh, pass our thoughts on anyway. Um, before we go into the uh, tipping part of the show, um, we'll han- answer a few points of views this week. Obviously, we know what's taking place this week, the Racing League, etc. A few comments on that. And, um, and we'll start the show off by saying... Uh, Nick Davis has been on, and he says, where do the pros go on their holidays? <laughs> and has anyone managed to get on Fantasy Believer at uh, Bet365's 14-1 to 1 for tomorrow? It sounds like that's Nick Davis's nap, Fantasy Believer. Nick Davis, by the way, good contributor, good form judge. He's on the show next Friday before the St. Ledger, so look forward to Nick's views for that. Gents, uh, where do you all go on your holidays? <laughs> I'll let John go first. John? And well, on the rare occasions when I do go on holiday, I think the last holiday I took was about 1984. <laughs> <laughs> I utterly resent sitting on a bike riding a boat, and it sickens me to the very core of my brain, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and all our family holidays used to involve molten and going to Scarborough during the York Race Week and things like that. And uh, I think the parents were trying to get rid of me because I was only about four or so I haven't used to send me down to Jack and Ellie's ice cream on my own. <laughs> Jack and Ellie's. Jimmy Savills. Yeah, I must have been a deeply undesirable kid because nothing ever happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, that, that, that was the scary mask all holidays. So, uh, if on the very, very rare occasions I go away, that's probably where I'd head for Scarborough and a seafood sandwich by the harbour. Well, uh, what can I say? I mean, it's, it's probably better. To be fair, John, right? It's probably as much as me in, in, in these dark times. I mean, the, the best I've managed this year is sat on red car seafront. If, uh, when I came up to yours to do the live pod, and uh, me and the producer sat on the uh, the beach eating Oliver's fish and chips. Fine, fine day. Yeah, you'd be up to your amazing sea call, eh? <laughs> it was different. I mean, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, it's it's red car, isn't it? But I mean, Saltburn's. I, so I like Saltburn Seafront. If if no one's, you've been Saltburn Seafront, haven't you, John? Loads of times. Saltburn is more picturesque than Redkin. Yeah. 
Yeah, you don't get that horrible silty smell at salt in there. No. Then again, yeah. Stocker doesn't move that close to salt. Stocker, of course, the ginger Hitler, who will also be with us on Friday's show next week. So it's a star-studded lineup. Uh, there's myself, John, Quentin Franks, and Andy Richmond doing the Tuesday preview show next week, which will cover the uh, anti-post selections for the meeting. And uh, next Friday, we've wheeled the ginger Hitler out to give him some terrible abuse. He needs awful man. Um, and he'll be along next Friday to give his uh, um, views for the Sint Ledger, which you can obviously not bet. Um, Andy, you, holidays for you? Uh, oof, dear, well, holidays for me, um, I've shared John's uh, not quite loathing of sitting. I don't mind sitting by a pool reading a book, but it'd probably be the form book or chasers and hurdlers or something like that Um, or some weird sporting biography or autobiography Um, I do like some off the wall sports books Um, not sort of Wayne Rooney's autobiography and that crap but um, you know something a bit off the wall Um, holidays for me well I've just actually I did actually manage a holiday this year but that was with the grandchildren down in Wales I can thoroughly recommend the Pembrokeshire coast which was really nice we had a cottage there um, but really, um, all my holidays were um, certainly in the formative punting years were basically cricket tours. Uh, I used to do about three or four of them a year for various sides. Uh, and now my main focus would be getting to New Zealand where the other sort of half of our grandchildren live. Um, but there ain't much over that at the moment. Which Jeez, is, uh, that is. This is uh, fairly, uh, fairly mad, but we ain't got much over that. But uh, again, another place I can thoroughly recommend. Apart from that, holidays, I always feel when I come back from holiday that I, even if it's just a week away, I feel horribly um, out of touch for about a week if you haven't seen a race. It, I mean, I don't know what everyone else feels about it. You've just got to catch up on everything and it, it sort of. Uh, throws me right out my stride for two or three days I must admit I, I you know I don't I must admit I don't like really being away from home bit of a home bird I, must admit. I, I think I think with me it's it's kind of you, you you don't like you're missing out on things and yeah and and like when I've I, I, you know when I when I go further afield you know and you've no internet and things like that mm-hmm. you know you think well I've missed this I've missed that oh god that's on the followers list you know you know and it's it, because you do it full time it's just that's that's it's just a natural thing to think oh god I had a one fortunes today or you know you you just tend to follow the sport I mean, like the, the other thing to think of is that I always think of as well no one's paying me holiday money. You know, yeah, I'm I'm always paying double bubble for everything because that's it. you know, it's not like you're taking your week away or cut the weeks away from work. They're paying you. At the moment, I'm earning absolutely nothing. It's costing me double. So <laughs> precisely, there's some real upside to being self-employed. Basically, um, there's a downside as well. But uh, you know, it's a great balance. And you know, if, if if you can do it and make it pay, and I suppose I've been. I hate the term pro punter, to be honest with you, but um, I suppose I've been full-time punting for, what, 13, 14 years since I left Betfair now, so um, I'm still around, just. Well, no, that's, that's, that's still, a good still thing. around. So. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good thing in a, in a very difficult industry because, 
you know, it's been brought up on this show a few times. It, I, I just I wouldn't recommend anyone coming into this game at the, at this moment in time, but it could change. But it's certainly on the way down for anyone that wants to to make a living from the game. Um, good thoughts there, Andy. Next question is on the Racing League. Well, it's not really a question. It's quite funny, actually. John Nolan, a friend of the show. Love these sirens, does John. Uh, was at the York meeting for all days. Always comes down for York, does, does John Nolan. And he said, he, he says, who wrote this blog? Ten reasons why the Racing League was shit, but is now great because I'm getting paid for it. <laughs> John Lang, first come to you on this. Well, it, it is a bit astonishing, isn't it, that normally rational journalists, not that there's that many of them in racing, have come out banging the drum in favour of this racing league when they seem to be on an earner for it. Yeah. Whereas you, you can't, for the life of you, imagine where they've had anything positive to say if they weren't on the payroll. You know, and it just looks so contrived and ridiculous. I mean, the lack of self-awareness from these people is beyond belief, you know. I mean, dear God, I mean, what's Blake thinking of, for starters? Mm. You know, and otherwise, thoroughly decent member of the racing media, and he's running around the fucking track yesterday at Newcastle. (laughs) Um, Andy, I mean, you know, it's been levelled by certain, obviously, respected punters in the sport, some professional, some some part-time, um, that this is just one big gravy train. Would you, would you concur with that? Uh, there are some people who I think, if they weren't involved with it, uh, would be against it. Let's put it that way. Uh, mm-hmm. I just... I just wouldn't have anything to do with it, even if you offered me. I, I think the whole idea is convoluted, uh, contrived, as John said. Um, there are, you can say all you want about bringing extra money into the game. Well, I think we've proven, well, if you if you are going to prove it, and then I hear all sorts of people, jockeys, or saying, oh, my family will watch it. Well, you know, well where, are the, where are the metrics to prove all of this? There's never any metrics to prove that it's brought people into the game, it's increased interest, et cetera, et cetera. I know there was a reasonable crowd at Newcastle last night because I had a friend who was there, um, but apparently all of the tickets were given away for free. Now, I've got nothing against that at all, but are these people going to come back? I don't think so. Sure, I think the better, the better, if we're talking about innovation, well, it's not even really innovation, but... Um, the Sunday series that Skybet have coughed up for, put decent racing on, put it on terrestrial telly, put it on at a decent time, concentrate on a bit of betting, give us a competitive race. There you go. That's I think that's what you need to do. And you don't need to have people in teams and all that sort of stuff. And some of the rah rah about it was just I don't know, just a complete turn off. I know I'm not in the target audience. But, you know, tell, you, you know, you stand there, trainers telling me they're collaborating. Jesus, they'd sell their own mother, most of them, for uh, for collaborating with another trainer. Absolute hogwash. Yes, yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that, barring one thing on the Skybet initiative, which I, I do think is positive, and I'm not, not coming down on this, but it's the, it, the, the Twilight meeting agenda on Sundays. 
I, I just think again, you've got stable staff that might have to be yeah. travelling a long way. Is the is the ti- is the timing right? I would agree with you with, but but I think the base, you know, it, you know, let's get the the basics right, and we don't, we know, get back to, you know, what is racing about? It's about betting. Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. It seems like everyone's lost the plot on this. Um, uh, there's a. I forget I forget her name and, and I don't dislike her because I do read her articles that she's a female journalist of the racing post but but she she um obviously highlighted that York was a roaring success because of the social factor. Um but again the serious side is it doesn't it doesn't fund the sport and this is you know all all that all that it's doing literally is putting cash into York Racecourse's pocket and there's 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 nothing going back into the sport in terms of funding for prize money, and if there was, then we'd all be getting rewarded uh, for running our horses and getting more money, like like in King Kong, and in uh, Francais, where many owners now are migrating, and if they haven't sold the horses, they tend to be sending the horses to run in France for a lot more money than than, than here. Um, it's a you know, very good article this morning um, by Chris Cook in the uh, in the Post. Um, uh, and it was featuring Nick McModen, who was obviously a very decent trainer over here. Yeah. He's now training in France, in the middle of France, for want of a better geographical term. And he was talking about how his horses, you know, even the lowly rated ones, are, are winning, you know, massive, you know, really good prize money. Um, and, you know, people, you know, he's making a, a good um, a good fist of it. Um, you know, and you, you can't blame people for going yeah doing that and then also floating around in the background i was listening to the nick luck podcast today and lydia was on um and talking about the fact that you know the fixture list is due um and the one thing that's not off the table yet is that we could add more 10 race cards which is as lydia expertly put it uh, and i'm a huge fan as most people know um is sort of almost fixture bloating by stealth isn't it yeah let's not put you know and let's have you know 10 race cards and i would say if you're having 10 race cards at some of these turf tracks can they really take it yeah i mean it's management is not great these days and dear me all weather, yes, I'd say no problem with all weather, but turf, that's got to be a big issue. I would but think. just, but just in just in terms of the, the 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 you know the bloated cards and you know and how long are we gonna how long are we gonna persist with this early start time in the summer? Which I well, know why it was done last year because of COVID and has continued this year. But we're starting meetings. I mean, okay, now the nights are drawing a bit. We're about to lose the the main evening racing program, but. No, we've been in the height of summer. We've been having a meeting starting at one o'clock, and yeah. then there's half hour gap, uh, and I just there's no continuity in it at all. Now, obviously, last year we knew what it was done, spread the meetings out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But where's this? I don't see. You know, how long is that going to carry on for? Yeah, no, it's a it's a problem going forwards, and the bookmakers look to be in control of this. And to, to me, as a as a doing it full time, it is difficult. I, I'm I'm finding it extremely difficult to manage my time. Um, it's it's very tough to get a lot of races done. Um, but there we go. That's the dream that they're selling you at the moment. Um, funny one now from Ian Davis. He said he said uh, who nicked Johnny's motor this week. 
any truth in the rumour, he's had a swift respray. He's currently touring the mean streets of Redcar and the Borough. John, scandalous, scandalous for Ian Davis there, slandering Borough and the, and the Redcar posh district. Shocking casting aspersions like that. It depends what he drives, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of in that. Yeah. He's like most trainers, he'll have a nice car, won't he? <laughs> I, I, actually, I actually know what car it was. I, I actually read, they actually did put in the report what car it was. Um, it was probably more accurate than the reports that, on some of the racing, actually. But um, I forgot. I forgot. It was a, certainly it was an estate car of some type. I can't remember what it. I can't remember what it was now. Um, if you bear with me, I'll try and have a quick look. But uh, a big massive Volvo. <laughs> it was. It was something. It was something of that ilk. I've just got the. Uh, it was a Mercedes estate. Right. It's a strange. It's a strange one because the, the 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 cars that they're pinching at the moment are all the uh, the sort of Land Rovers, the the the, the Range Rovers, the, uh, the 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 Jaguar SUVs. The it's, it, those the according to uh, this car magazine I read, that's that's what they're all nicking. Um, probably end up in the cost of that. To be able to get your fishing shooting gear in. Well, I think I think majority end up in Costa del Sol, to be honest, on false plates. But there we go. Uh, and pro- pro- probably in the East London suburbs um, as well. <laughs> I could probably get on false plates, but that's the that's the society we live in. Um, John Steve, don't do this in my Cockney mates. <laughs> exactly, Nick Davis will be furious at that statement. You know, the the the, the West Ham supported Nick. You know. It's a disgraceful comment from me, but there we go. Um, John Stevenson says, uh, registered in Gibraltar, um, also the Gambling Commission, Gibraltar website, suggests the bookmakers basically can do as they like. I've verified this uh, myself. Me and my, me and my producer had a good look through the uh, G- uh, Gambling Commission regulations, and uh, John Stevenson has also spotted himself. Basically, the bookmakers can do what they like because the gambling commission will support them as long as it's towards gambling harm this is very dangerous obviously as we're seeing um regards to the suspension of accounts that are fluid that aren't losing uh, that are fine but the gambling commission will back anything because the bookmakers all the bookmakers have to do is go back to the gambling commission and say we're doing it on responsible gambling your honor thoughts chaps why haven't the gambling commission helped Anybody. Exactly. They've, 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 no, the punters are being hung out to dry by the gambling commission. These people love to bang the drum about when they've done something, you know, because all through the lives until the family's got them a seat on the gambling commission, they've done nothing. Yeah. Noteworthy. So if they'd stepped in and stopped somebody doing his bollocks, they would have this power sad parading him, not exactly through the streets, but through the media. And they'd have him saying what a wonderful thing the Gambling Commission is and how it saved him from oblivion. And there's none of that, because they haven't done it. No. I mean, the, the, the worrying thing for me going forwards is if this quango, government quango, so to speak, is allowed to continue in its current guise, the bookmakers know full well exactly what to do, how to do it, 
and they are using it for their own ends at the moment. They aren't. This is not helping problem gambling. The amount of people. I mean, obviously, our, our very famous guest uh, the other week, Jeff Banks, has Betfair took him down. They've probably listened to the show, John, and they've taken him down. Yeah. Like, literally just after Jeff lost his Betfair account. I mean, on responsible gambling. <laughs> You have to laugh. I mean, so the very man himself that's that's bringing these uh, measures in for his own punters, best um, <laughs> best up, Jeffrey. I mean, yeah, yeah, the shocker, isn't he? <laughs> that's that's the, that's the reverse swing after sixty-five overs. That's that's just you know done everything. That's the Mike Gatting ball. They've given him the Mike Gatting ball, haven't they? You know. <laughs> the, the shame won. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had to, I had to chuckle because we, obviously we t- it was a, such a good good topic of conversation. And then poor Jeffrey's now lost his bet there and he's going berserk. I can see legal wranglings. Jeff doesn't mess about. He'll have a, he'll have been caught over this. Um, he loves a court case, does Jeff? Um, see Jeff in his penthouse now with his white <laughs> toweling dressing gown on speed his legal team on speakerphone <laughs> telling them how it is and what he wants doing. Yeah, with his scant- scantily clad young female. <laughs> dynamism. It's all about dynamism. <laughs> uh, I know Jeff listens to this, so this would be funny. Um, anyway, but yeah. So, uh, John Stevenson, you're spot on. We are screwed because the Gambling Commission basically has given bookmakers full license. They, they don't need any legislation to do what they're doing, and it's a massive problem. But yet again, how many punters are represented on, on any of these things, on any of these four punters, the BHA? No one represents punters. How many winners are waving? Yeah, it's, we're all idiots. You're meant to lose. Just keep paying into the system. Yeah. Keep losing. Yeah. And then nothing Business will be said. It's going well. Send more money. Send more cash. Yeah. Send more cash for the lunches. Yes. Um, <laughs> good stuff. Um, Stephen Marnes uh, mentioned the um, sorry, not Stephen. Uh, John, the analyst mentioned Stephen Marnes' training ban has been shortened on appeal. Um, a disgraceful decision. Uh, no words needed, he says. Exactly. I'm not going to even spare words on that. Terrible, terrible decision. Again, this is the, the horse racing Ireland need to get a grip. Uh, it's finished. Yeah. Uh, and you've got Mr. Burns coming back soon and Mr. Elliot back soon as well. Not yes. Back to, at... Not that I wish to point the, the finger just at the, our friends across the. Uh, Irish Sea, because there's probably as as bad a people on this side as well. But well, uh, I think the suicide rate amongst Elliot fans since Snowzy took over it must have spiked by about forty percent. Snowzy Snowzy Foster. Um, I, did, I did see that the the Post are doing a big interview with Gordon. And again, yeah, words yes. words failed me, but you know. The one with Stephen Marne as well. He must, he must, he must have had a script wrote for him, Gordon. Because I mean, of course, takes it upon itself to rehabilitate these miscreants, doesn't it? Yeah. And it makes such a lousy job of it. You end up despising them even more. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There we go. All right. And final. That's not Stephen Marne's first offence either. No, it's not. 
it's awful. I, I just I'm still working within racing. I mean, do me if, and there's another inquiry into his behaviour. I understand a pending as well. They're not bothered, Andy. You know, I mean, they, they just want another inquiry into the frigging whip. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's as far as they're going. Actual cruelty, you know. You can't smack their asses written the stabbing to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't laugh at that, but it was just so right. It's so true. You know, literally, like you say, you, I mean, yeah, spot on. Um, Last sort of question um, comes from Jamie Coombe, and he says, in the start of the last Jimmy Lindley section, yes, Jimmy Lindley, lovely pair of hands, Wanese, uh, is it going to turn around the debut form with Gosden's hot pot in the first to Ascot tomorrow? Don't know if any of you chaps had a look at that, because obviously we're only focusing on the TV races tomorrow, but that's the uh, opener on the card where John Gosden's Tebe is the 11 to 4 on favourite and Wanese, which is obviously the Jimmy Lindley horse which the stewards had uh, good old good old Jim in for uh, is a 3 to 1 second favourite any thoughts? Um, I don't think there's enough runners to make either of them a betting proposition to be honest mm. it could be a bit messy this uh, I don't know if I fancy Mitchell making all around there. I certainly don't fancy a Charles Hildar to automatically progress from what was looking like a significantly kind introduction. Mm. Um, then you add in Spencer on a bang all up jumper, noted spoiler Brian May, and then you've got a recipe for me just saying, no, I'll have another quail's egg while this is running. Yeah. I've I've got to confess, John, I was sort of stood there in my speedos and the tide was just going below waist height. Yeah. Um, you know, and I and I was like looking for cover. <laughs> <laughs> um but that's that's how I saw it in the there was plenty in the debut, but maybe not enough to turn it turn it around. And you don't know what these these are planning because I mean, uh, Dane O'Neill's on. Dane, Dane's eighty two years old. I mean, he's the oldest jockey riding. And you know, I mean, they, they could be any anything. He's still fanning his dad, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I mean this, this is this is you know this is you know this this for me is. Um, a real race to avoid. This is the, in fact, this is the posthumous gin and pate race where we can just watch and go. If one ease wins, we can say, We can tell, we told you, we told you, we told you on Jimmy Lindley. And then if the fab wins, well, we can say on tonight's show, Well, we're a bit lukewarm about it. Um, but yeah, sorry to sit on the fence, but that's exactly where I'm at. I, I'm not really sure what to do. I did think, I'm not even on the fence, I'm behind the fence. I did, <laughs> I did think Charles Hills would have sent this for that maiden. I think it's next Friday at Doncaster. It's the seven furlong maiden. He always targets yeah, all, every year. Not what are you doing anymore? <laughs> well, retired, but probably too soon. I mean, I, I mean that that was my view. I mean, I, I don't know what you guys think with with but I, I actually felt that the race wasn't run to suit at all at Goodwood. Yeah, it wasn't. And and it, it's it was a very rash decision. Um, I, I, I felt I, I was quite shocked by that. You know, it's, it's you know, he was fairly, he never runs well at Ascot, and then Goodwood came, and you know, he might have lost a yard, but 
I don't know. I'm not sure if that was the the right call, but that's what I felt there. But anyway, it'd be interesting to see. You'd you spent your career looking for the wrong calls from Charles Hill. You'd be a busy man. <laughs> be be interesting to see what Charles does run in that Friday race next week mm. at Doncaster over seven. Because as I said, he does target it. I look for it every year. And I, I thought this one would be in it because obviously this is seven furlongs. So he's not, has he got a better one? He might have a, might have a, might have a right tool for one at Doncaster next week. Anyway, that's enough of questions. It's time for the real part of the show now where we cost you some serious cash. And we go on to tomorrow's cards. And I think we shall start at possibly the, uh, what I would call the, the worst of the three Three minutes. Kempton. We'll go to Kempton. Go to Kempton for the for the for the sandpit for the uh, Cyrenia Stakes, a Group Three affair over uh, over six furlongs. It's the two o five race. Current favourite is the Clive Cox trained Wings of War at seven to two. Andy, I'll start with you on this. It's not really my sort of race, to be honest with you. Um, I very rarely back two year olds. There were two that interested me. And I think that's about as far as I would probably go. Um, but the first was Wings of War, um, who is certainly quite interesting on the uh, third at um, York last time out behind uh, Evergreen in that valuable sales race. Never thought the horse was quite in the right place, if that's in it. And the draw didn't do it any favours either having won before. I'm, I quite like Clive Cox's horses, um, or him as a trainer. Um, and that was an improvement on the form last time out. So I think I'd probably try and keep that on onside in some shape or form. And the other one that interested me, and it was an interest, was Fearless Angel, who was fifth of 17 last time out uh, in the St Hughes Stakes at... Um, at uh, Newbury. That form has actually been quite well advertised uh, since, um, if you look at it. TARDIS blew out the other day at Salisbury in that listed race, um, where it didn't really behave going to the start. And I think I heard Oshin afterwards say, didn't really, uh, didn't really stay. But the second, Attergirl won next time out. The sick Flotus won next time out. And Romantic Time, who won the Salisbury race, obviously one next time out as well. So it's been quite well advertised and coming from the, the, the uh, Dave Lock main stable might not be uh, too well um, found in the market. Um, and I, it was a fair hike up in grade from her debut as well. And I thought that a reasonable price, she might have a little bit of a chance. So if you wanted a couple of small plays against the field, um, those would be my two, Fearless Angel and Wings of War. Good shout. Um, I I come straight from the same industry. Um, same reasons, so I don't really have to... You, you've mentioned more or less everything that I think. I backed Fearless Angel last time out. Um, I thought she was a very good bet at 12-1. to 1. Um, she, she ran perfectly well, just probably not quite good enough on the day. I think the step up in triple suit. I think she's ready for six. Uh, Wings of War, again, from the wrong side of the draw at York, stole 16, had to come right across, ran an absolute blinder. I think those are the two solid ones, 72 and 15 to 2. So Andy summed it up very well, and I, I agree with him. John, you on this? Um, I only have notes on the far of these, the Revis Provos. Fair, plain bastard, <laughs> gangly quat, and... <laughs> um, 
Never ever list. Okay, right, got, got, right. Sign so, on. I, I really would not be adding to the uh, to the debate with, with what I've got on these. Okay. Uh, what what's what what's your never ever list? <laughs> it's Eve Lodge. Eve Lodge. Yeah. Charlie Fellows and Jim in the saddle. Good old Jim. Yeah, I don't like it shout. Interesting. So so John doesn't like Eve Lodge. So nothing to add in terms of a bet in terms I, of... I just could not entertain a bet on these. I, yeah. I think they're rare, really. Yeah. I'll send some um some herring dip up for that. <laughs> I've just finished off the herring dip, actually. You can always let the dog in. Herring dip. Mental image time there. 240 two, two Kempton. Um, it's the mile and a half Unibet September stakes, um, or Uni No Bet. September sticks, um, eighty thousand added. Not bad, really, for an all-weather affair. And that's attracted Owen Burrows and the uh, very uh, genuine and game Hookum, who is eight to eleven market leader. Andy, are we? Can can we not rustle the pile here? Well, I could go all blogger and go Hookum. Um, yes, <laughs> but, um, I won't. Um, I'm interested to see Hamish in the field after he was withdrawn. Much to my chagrin at um, at, um, at York. Uh, yeah, it was your nap. It was your nap, wasn't it? Yeah. Fortunately, managed the uh, one of the uh, others that I mentioned, Sunny Boy Liston, actually won that won that race. So it wasn't a total. It wasn't a total um, disaster of a day. Um, I just think I'll just watch it. To be honest, with you. I'm not. A, I must admit, I'm not the biggest Kempton fan since they ripped up the turf track. For those who can remember that far back, yeah. um, I do like the jumpers there, but the all weather stuff is just, you know, it just bores me shitless. Basically, yeah. uh, I'd be interested to see Hamish and see what he could, what he's capable of. I wanted to see him back on turf, but you know, uh, Hookham has was. Done the job relatively well. Again, I'll, I'll go and put the kettle on and make myself a cup of tea at this point. I think. Yeah, the good old uh, herring pet gin race. John, do you, do you agree with with Andy on this? Um, well, I tend to agree with the blogger on this because, in the words of our dear departed Yona Stubbs, once again, fuck them, just back hook them. <laughs> So, Ockham in blogger style for John 8 to 11. Um, obviously, I, I just, I, 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 like, I like, obviously, I was very interested in Andy's case for Hamish uh, on the pod last time. Um, so, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm a watching brief on this only because uh, the lady loves milk tray, but, but no, only because there's, there's not much pace on. And I just, I just think, oh, I can't be doing, I can't be doing with another tactical crawl. You know, mile and a half around Kempton. I'm probably in Andy's camp here. That it's just a bit of a turn off. Uh, so, from a betting proposition, I'm certainly not getting excited. But listeners, stay tuned because there is more exciting things to come. I can promise you. Um, I've, I've got I've got one for you later. So 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 keep 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 with us. Keep with us, even though we're not we're not flying at the moment. Right, next race we're going to move to Ascot, and um, they've got two races on the uh, old uh, telly box and the 310 race is the mile and a half Lavazza Stakes it's a heritage, heritage handicap which the Baron 
the Barbadian Baron has war on as the 11 to 4 favourite. John, I'm going to come to you first on this one. Well, I, I thought Wyron was a little bit unlucky at York, but I mean, overall, the stable's in dire form, isn't it? I know he's just had a winner at Kempton, but God's sake, I mean, all, all in all, this season's been worse than a write off. You know, there's, there's nothing more forward, really. What's just one at Kempton? Is it Migdam? Yeah. God, that had its cock out at Nottingham. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it, it was unbelievable. I've never it's cock in tonight. It was so culty. That was so culty on debut. Anyway, sorry, sorry. Go on. I, th- I think uh, it, well, probably one one of the lads twenty to take the steam out of it before it. So yeah, I was, was a bit unlucky, but I, I just can't back anything that there's these sort of prices at, at the minute. I mean. I, I give my Franklin another chance today, and it, it run like a rotting corpse. Um, mm, disappointing. So for me, I think we need to get get it open to the belly button and get on the shirt. The shirt. I mean, Chalk Stream's hardly gone up for the last win. Uh, the thing that it beat Barnell won since the form's absolute concrete. It it it's really Betty at Ascot, you know. Get the flags out. Yeah. <laughs> Greedy Betty. We love that one. So choke stream for you at around the thirteen to two mark. You 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 think that's the one? I do. I, I couldn't back that. No. Okay, so that's John Chokestream. Uh, you know, dissing his mate there, the Baron. He's he's not not siding with him at eleven to four. Uh, Andy, for you in this, what did you think? Well, um. Whilst I agree with John that Warren ran, he ran quite a nice race at, at um, York yeah, and yeah. high mitigation over 10 furlongs. And he might actually need this trip. But Mr. Mr. Stout, the Baron, has, has run 11 horses in this particular race. He's had one place contender. Wow, that. good stuff. So at um, under five to two, I think I'd probably have to be pushing the pink button on that one. Um and it is quite a nice race. Mr. Haggis, the shagging shirt, runs two. Um, Chalkstream. I'm quite interested in the other one, Candleford. Handicap debut stepping up to 12 firms. But I'm going to row in with John here. Um, I think Chalkstream is uh, one his last two. As John said, that is pretty decent form beating Barnow, who duly canted up at Beverly uh, last time out. Five of the last 10 winners of this actually won last time out. And there are four last time out winners in this. You can work them out yourselves. But um, that's one little stat for you. And one other trainer who's got a good record in this is Mr. Varian. I can't believe we haven't got a nickname for him yet. Do you know who he reminds me of? Michael Gove. We haven't got a nickname for him. Actually, we haven't got a nickname for him, which is we would actually get taken off the air. Right. Okay. Well, you can tell me that one when we're not on air. Yeah. Um, but he does remind me of Michael Gove. Not, I don't know, there's something, <laughs> something about it. It's a weird one, that. Um, but he has won the last two run-ins of this um, with Shandoz and Apparate. Uh, he also won it in 2014. He runs uh, Alphadel um, as his first try at 12 furlongs. But I thought that was a pretty decent uh, run last time out. So I'd certainly be with Chalkstream. Uh, respect Alphadel. And um, I think it's uh, sort of under five to two. Um, and that marker, I would be against Waran in this particular race, which is a heritage handicap. I know not which heritage handicap it is, though. Good stuff, good stuff, chaps. Um, I I felt 
uh, a horse um, that's normally owned, normally uh, would be owned by a, a national hunt owner in Ashley Head, uh, the Jelly Deal team of Gary Moores, uh, mm-hmm. Champagne Piaf, uh, did extremely well to win at Windsor. It, it, it's not, it wasn't the right track track that day for him. Yeah, he, he was he was basically struggling at sort of the halfway stage, and to win from where he did, I thought was like very impressive. I thought the way he did it as well, he, there was a lot in hand, and I think this is a really nice horse. I think they've really they've really done well with this. I mean, this wasn't cheap either. I mean, it was you know it was basically um, it wasn't sold. I suppose a two year about seven, they'd have paid probably sixty thousand for this as a two year old, and. I just think this, there's a lot more to come from this. So champagne PF each way for me at 13 to 2. So Chalk Street um, for Andy and John and champagne PF for me um, in the 310 at Ascot. That's the, that's the staying race. Um, next on the Ascot card is the 345. It's the Seven Furlongs Carey's Foundation handicap. And it, this is a wide open affair, 11 runners. And we've two previous winners of this event in the race, documenting of Kevin Frost. Eight to one, and we've got rip off of uh, David Ellsworth. That's about ten to one, ridden by Johnny Patty, uh, taking the seven off. Good old Johnny. Um, he's a, he's an up and coming rider, and he uh, gets to take the seven off. Rip off a previous winner. Andy, come to you here first. Um, yeah, it's quite an interest. I thought this was quite interesting actually. The strongest guide to this race has been that seven furlong handicap at the King George meeting. The um, what's it called? The Moe and Chandon race. There's yeah. two runners out of that this year uh, come on here. Cliffs of Capri, who's a dual course and distance winner and documenting who you mentioned before. So you'd have to sort of keep those on side. Cliffs of Capri is always the sort of horse, I think, it's going to get in the frame here, but is he quite well handicapped enough to win something like this these days? Although I don't think there's many that are miles in front of the handicapper here. I thought there were a couple of other interests. There's one at a big price, that um, you could get Jamie Spencer on, but he does ride the uh, seven furlong mile and the straight course pretty well at Ascot, probably better than most. Um, and I do think that Orban is probably better than his form figures suggest. The old handicapper hasn't wanted to release the stranglehold too quickly. I thought he ran quite a nice race at York last time out, and I'll certainly be having a couple of shekels on him at a big price on the on the machine. But the main play would be for me is top secret. Um, He's won over course and distance. He's only, he's only run here. Um, he's been second twice since he last won. Uh, the run at Newmarket was when the track was running. Um, you couldn't come from behind and win. Absolutely no chance. He got beaten by Extraordinaire, who's a, a good front runner. And then last time out, I think he was in the wrong part of the track at Newbury last time out uh, when he was just touched off behind Nini's Choice, who won at Salisbury the other day. I think they think quite a lot of that horse. It's an Andrew Boarding horse. I think he's going for the Cambridgeshire next. And top secret with uh, Nicola Curry on, who actually, uh, I'm not a big fan of the Shergar Cup thingy, but I think she impressed at that this year. I think she's a very, very underrated rider um, in the sort of uh, the um, female Ferrari that we have sometimes. Um, and uh, top secret, I notice there's been a fair bit of cash for it already, but if I can get around six to one, I think that would be my main play, would be top secret. But um, don't forget Orban with Mr. Spencer, and I'm sure he's going to pop up somewhere along the line, either hopefully here tomorrow 
or um, at one of these sort of one of those York handicaps that are left in the uh, in the locker. It's a tricky old race though, and uh, I wouldn't be massively confident. But Top Secret has certainly got some good decent credentials, and Orban, if you want a you know a working man's price uh, on the machine, if you can't get on with those lovely bookmakers. Good stuff. So Top Secret for Andy Mainbet. Mention for Orban there at big prices. If you fancy a, a big go, John, you any views on this? Yeah, I had a fair little look at this during the week, and then views tended to change a little bit as I saw the makeup of the field. Um, I mean, there's no denying documenting is now reasonably well handicapped. It's a pity he got shown up a bit at Doncaster latest. He might have been a little bit better price. Oh, bands down another three for being Spencer at York. <laughs> But it, there was others finishing off better than him there that day, and I, I still don't think he's quite come to himself. Uh, Chris of Capri obviously loves it here. Um, that would be the other obviously interesting one. But one of my best bets of the day runs here, and it is Mystery Smiles, who is forging a bit of a new career as a miler. Um, his best runs have been under Rob Hornby, who rides here. Two, two runs back was an excellent run. He was sold previously, uh, lost miles of ground at the start the next time. The yard's in great nick. You add into the mix, he's had his knackers off. <laughs> there might not be enough pace on here for all these old-up diehards around Ascot that love <laughs> here, like documenting yeah. of Capri. This one will go reasonably handy and track what little pace there is. So I'll probably get the first run on these. And you'll certainly get an opportunity to get out in running because uh, I can see this one going very short, about two out. Yeah, good stuff. We'll travel all over these. Yeah, like it, like the reason. Uh, some good stuff there, both from Andy and John. Um, I'd be interested to see how Cliffs of Capri gets on. Uh, obviously, uh, obviously, favourite venue of his for the lockdown 10. Um, you know, around the uh, the 13 to 2 mark, I thought thought he'd be pro- possibly playable. Uh, maybe I'd be more looking at the place markets on the machine, really, for him. But but yeah, it's, it's an intriguing race, but some good cases made there, chaps. Thank you. Uh, we move on to Haydock, the main meeting of the day, which is the uh, the, the big Vernon sprint. Uh, we start off with a 145. It's the mile superior mile stakes, a, a group three affair. Uh, where Lord Glitters heads the five runners and his half-arm six-to-four favourite. John, I'll start with you on this race. Well, in the words of a well-known racing blogger, lift him on, damn it, lift him on. <laughs> lift him, lift him. Um, you know, I mean, you can't really back my over on. On the rare occasions the shirt reaches for the blinkers, it usually means the funeral was three weeks ago. I, I can't. I just can't be getting involved there. Um, May Danny's got about two hundred stone a fan from from uh, his handicap farm against these. I think Bell Rock will find it about three ticks on the going stick too for um, an artistic rifles is nowhere near good enough. Of course, I mean, I mean, I forgot to mention uh, Faster Than Light, who's a contributor to our Twitter feed, um, mentioned today that 
Can you remember a time when the the Hadock going within the nines, Andy? No, I, I, I couldn't believe. I nearly fell off my chair when um, I forget who it was. It might have been uh, well, certainly I think it was Peter Norton or Niall this week. At Hadock had, had gone and pursued pursued Kirkland and asked him if he was going to water. And he said, no. And I thought he was, I mean, either, but that would have been my nap of the week in the throw some water on this. Yeah. One chance. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, he's got every opportunity to throw a bit of water on because it hasn't. I mean, I'm about 10 miles from the track and it ain't, ain't rained up here for weeks. And um, it, it, and he's not. He's not had the watering can out, not unless he's out under cover of darkness, but he's left it alone. Good maybe, stuff. maybe, maybe he's he listens to the show. <laughs> well, so desperate for this favourite to, to run in the Megan. Well, he, he had the kitchen roll out and he was blotting the track last week. <laughs> <laughs> sheet after sheet of one shit <laughs> advertised on the telly with a Spanish bloke. I know. Other tissues are available, I think you meant to say as well, John. Yeah, you only need one shit, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got one we Kirkland. <laughs> uh, Andy, uh, a selection on this? Oh, I mean, it's. I mean, the, the one thing is, I, I could see the case for Lord Glitters. Is he going to have enough pace to aim at? He might just be good enough um, because he has been. You know, he's been one of my favourite horses for quite some time, um, and he he ran pretty well. He did run well last time out behind a horse. I think we. We all we all liked um, at that particular juncture, and he was giving weight away last time out. He hasn't got a Group One penalty um, this time around, so it would have a, a decent chance. I just worry about him. I just worry about him whether he would have enough pace to run out. Um, Bell Rock, as I say, I think it'd be too quick for him. My Oberon hasn't really impressed since winning the Earl of Sefton. I know he's running. Uh, three group ones he's running, but the blinkers have, have reached for now. And as John said, in, uh, Mr. H reaches for those. It, it's never really that inspiring. I was half tempted to have a little punt on artistic rifles just because he may well get the run of the race uh, up front. But I don't. I mean, they are tilting at, you know, it's the Don Quixote route. They're t- tilting at windmills, but you can't really blame them for doing so. And you know, we've, he's not exactly over-raced this year. I might just throw a couple of quid that way to see him, but it, it, it's got the potential for ending up to be a real mess, this, and you're probably better off staying out of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree to an extent, but I would say that if anyone likes Lord Glitters tomorrow, the only way you get beat is tactically. The, mm. That's the only possible way that horse gets beat tomorrow for me is, ta- is tactically. I, ju- I just think... It literally is. It's in very good order at the moment. You can see that from York, and the only way you get that beat tomorrow is if, like you've just highlighted, that they just they crawl and you know he's held up last. It's very quick ground at Adox, so it's hard to make serious ground up. You know if if they are crawling, but so I think that's your quandary punters. I think you either you know if you if you're playing pre-playing, you don't do in running. Then I think you. You, I would say at six to four, it's a bet, but but I would also say it's probably a better bet to wait. And 
if Johnston applies some pace and Fanning applies some pace and artistic rifles goes forward, and you know, then you can comfortably take what you like, I think, from that point onwards. If, if you're in that situation you were with the horse that beat Lord Glitters last time, and indeed Bell Rock and my Oberon as well, uh, yeah. in that Strenzel Stakes with Real World, where you were saying if it, I think we were saying if it peed down with rain, you wouldn't want to be with him, it didn't rain, and then Real World becomes a becomes a bet. So yeah. you, you're in that with the, with the tactics this time, rather than the ground, that you're in that... You know, real world, as you know, when with hindsight, it looks a great bet. Even it went off, even money got smashed off the boards when there wasn't any rain. If you knew that they were going to go mad up front, and artistic rifles is likely to put a bit of pace to this, and possibly Bell Rock as well, which is front run before, then you're thinking, well, Lord Glitters is probably a bet. He's two, just had a quick look on the machine, he's 262 at the moment. It's fair enough for me um, at, the, at this point because obviously it's a terrible bet if they absolutely crawl, you know. But but if as long as they don't and they go an even pace or better, you're disappointed if you don't win. But anyway, we move on to the two twenty at Haydock. It's the uh, mile and three quarters. It's it's a very valuable race. This I'm quite impressed by the level of prize money. Um, amazing. There's only eight runners for this kind of. Mm kind of money i mean twenty four thousand for second chaps um i mean that's that's a that's a very good effort more more, more than most listed and group group three races uh yeah so i mean well done to head up for putting this kind of thing on um and you're like well it was a, a very strong mention at andy in the uh um the melrose at york um, valley forge if you remember, I was that, kicking myself for not doing the double on the day with Valley yeah. Forge and Sunny Boy Duda, and then yeah. migration went in as well. I was like, mm, could have done with a small multiple. Yeah, it was sort of my second on the dance card that day. Um, it's a horse I like. Um, he's gone up, what, £7 for that Melrose win? I mean, I certainly wouldn't be laying him tomorrow, whether I'd want to back him at two to one or not, in what is a, it's probably a deeper race than the betting looks i've got the feeling he's still got a cesarewich entry um valley forge which although i don't think he's a, a sluggard by any stretch of the imagination i think you think of the way he traveled through that you could get back a mile and a half they'd get a, they, they'd still get a win out of him i think it's an interesting race vino victrix i very much respect i thought priano was really unlucky at Sandown behind ocean line last time out and ocean line might not run um, they've got doubts about the ground with that one. So if you are betting overnight, you could cop a rule four there. Um, so just be a little bit careful because I don't think it is a bit gloomy up here at the moment. But we certainly haven't had any rain. But I thought Priano was really interesting last time. He never, if you watch the race where he was behind Ocean Line, he never got the run of that race last time out. Must have got blocked off about two or three times uh, from behind at um at Sandown last time. I ended up finishing fourth. I think he's quite a, an interesting horse. Personally, I would be, I will be back in Priano, but I will be saving just the stakes with Valley Forge. That would be my two against the field there. Good stuff, Andy. John? Vlogger. <laughs> On to the Valley. Yes, of course. Um, I think there's a lot more to come with this. I travel superb in the Melrose. Um, bit disconcerting. Baldin's rushing him out so quick. Um, 
But then again, if he's gone on eight up, it's a nice prize. You know, um, two other ones probably are right. You can put this horse anywhere in a race. It was the way he travelled that impressed me, yeah, really more than anything. Uh, he's likely to race his back from out of coming from him. He's clearly going to be 100 plus hours. I, I don't see what the problem is with Toto on, really. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in your camp, John. Um, I, I think I think two to one or better is a very good price. That the Melrose form is uber strong, uber strong. Really, it's a really good race. I mean, the horse are. It's not so well, you know. Look at look at the horses. Dushan, I, I love. Tash Cam was fifth. That's a that's a. Mm. I mean, that that was probably the unlucky horse of the race in the Melbourne. Uh, the, the 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 Melrose, um, King King of the Castle. You know that was another four lengths further back. Surrey Gold, Oman. These are all horses that have been like winning really good form three year old handicaps this season. And Valley Forge, like you said, just looks looked well ahead of his mark of eighty three. And I just think, well, a seven pound rise. I don't think that stops him against these. Um, so I'm in your camp, John. We're all we're blogger and stallion. You can be you can be you can be stallion, and I'll be blogger. I'm picking um, your catching then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. So Valley Forge for me and John. Um, Andy obviously uh, likes likes uh, Priana, um, but remember that Andy did look. Valley Forge and the Melrose. Remember that he did. Like, even though it wasn't his main choice, he, he he did. You could you could sense the love from Andy for <laughs> Valley Forge in the Melrose. So he does as well as his um, the one he won. Coltrane was the the other horse that uh, Baldwin won that with, didn't he? He went on did quite well as well. So Absolutely, yeah. The old Valley Forge does as does as well. Right, two fifty five here, Doc. The Old Borough Cup, one of my favourite races on the calendar, actually. I always like trying to pick the winner of this race. Um, and funnily enough, I've got a nap in this, a big nap. Um, but I'm going to start with you two. So, John, give me your uh, vocals on this. Well, I had a look at this earlier in the week and I noticed that Alan Braves in the old that fried it at York. I thought the, the horse was given a fairly poor ride there, and that's to make up too much round till late. I think it's got a reasonable chance here. Um, but Global Storm didn't get the best of runs in the Aber. Um And I, I think he'll do for me. Uh, the, the problem could be the kilt. <laughs> he's the only pace in the race with Hoxfield, and he's the only presser with the trader. And these can be dangerous if they don't take each other on because you'll have one acting like a, a linebacker keeping off <laughs> keeping <laughs> a, a, a potential threat to the leader. Uh, I've, I've seen it up at York a couple of times when he's run two in stain race and they've both been left alone. And it's usually the one that sits second, goes and wins. So I would be having a saver on the trader but I think Global Storm will still probably win. Okay, no, Global Storm for John, um, with a saver in case the kilt tries his underhand yeah. soft lead tactics. Um, yeah, in the Borough Cup. Um, Andy, your thoughts here to to to, uh, to join that? 
Mm, I respect Global Storm. I can see where John's coming from with his the Ebor run, which yeah, it wasn't um, it wasn't without being I wouldn't call it eye catching, but it was certainly enough there, and he didn't get a, a brilliant run through. I didn't think many of these were actually ahead of their handicap marks, um, but there are a couple of I wouldn't call them old favourites. There's an incredibly frustrating horse for me here, a horse called Autumn War. Um, who I think has got a little bit of quality about him. Um, he's usually held up, so I'm hoping the kilt does go mad up front uh, with his two. Um, and he's been a real frustrating horse. I think there could be a little bit of a screw loose with this horse. Um, <laughs> but um, there's three seconds, the three seconds in a row uh, have put that in. But I think he's quite a bit, of, for, the, for those of you who like a little bit of a trade, I think he's big enough to trade in this. He's a double-figure price. He will travel well. He's got one of my favourite riders on in young David Probert. Is he young anymore? I don't know. He always seems very young to me. Um, but I think he's had a superb season. Just to digress for a minute, David Probert. Every time I see him, he, I know he rarely makes a mistake. I just think he's very, very good. I think he's still incredibly underrated. Um, but um, on autumn one, I think his style might just suit him. Uh, tomorrow just to bring him in into this race quietly I don't think he's the easiest I don't think the horse wants to hit the front too soon um you can watch his last probably his last three races and you'll see that's certainly the one uh Goodwood on his latest start it's not the strongest class two I think he might be better back at this trip I'm hopeful they'll go a decent pace um, and they might just ride him a little bit handier than they have been in the past. But I think at a double-figure price, but I don't think many are that particularly ahead of the handicapper, then he would probably do for me, along with Rhythmic Intent, I'll give a good mention to. The ground might be a bit too quick. I thought this was going to be a really good horse last year uh, when he won a couple of... He won, he won a race, I think it was at Newbury last year. He ended up finishing second in the November handicap, Um and he just looks like he might be coming back to a bit of form. Uh, he has run well here before. I think the ground is, might just be a little bit of a, on the quick side then. But if you get some soft ground in the autumn, I think that um, Stuart Williams has actually got this horse back to near his best. And I'll be interested to see what he does with him tomorrow. If he pulls him out, then um, keep him in your um, whatever you use to write your... Uh, horses to note down in in your little notebook because I think he might be useful over the autumn but I'll I'll have a little play on autumn more more as a trade or a each way play or something like that and rhythmic intent is certainly one I'm keeping an eye on tomorrow. Good stuff Andy good analysis. John Lane your thoughts on this? Well I think um, overall it's uh... I mean, are, are you are you after listening to Andy? Are you confident on Global Storm? Are you are you? I, I, I'm happy enough with with me, Australia. Um, as I said, I think the kilt's definitely a potential spanner in the works here mm. because I, I don't think this is as big as it usually is. is it? It's only about sixteen runners, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a smallish field. I mean, the one I'm going to put to you now is the one that. It's my nap of the weekend. It's a very large price. Um, I can't believe the price, to be honest. Um, you might scoff at this, but sextant of uh, Kenny Dalgleish and uh, Cal Cal Callum Rodriguez. Um, cannot believe this is 25 to 1. 
I'm just I'm I'm in shell shock. Um, so they've got this from the Baron, seventy six thousand they've paid. Um, they they ran third to Johnny Drama at Kempton in a listed race back in December. They then went hurdling, uh, typical of straight line construction. Um, forget that. And then back on the flat. So what do they do? Huxley, Japan, uh, Hookham, Una Stubbs, Goodwood. And then the first sign of form was behind your horse, John. Yeah. Uh, Global Storm in the uh, copper horse at Ascot, where both had really, I, I didn't think great trips for either. Sextant missed the break, which he, which he, he does do a little bit. Um, he was beat five lengths, but he's seven pounds better off with Global Storm for that. Um, so basically, you're dealing with one at the head of the market. You're seven pounds better off for five lengths. So if you just take that literally over a mile and six, and you say, well, if you know, if Sexton gets within a, a length or two of Global Storm, you might not be far away. Well, what what boosted me was the run on uh, Thursday, where mm-hmm. he didn't look off behind uh, without a fight. It looked like a spin to me. Just basically never put in the race. It finished with gusto off a slow pace at Haydock um, two days ago. Um, if you watch the race, you'll see in the closing stages, go another go another half a furlong, another furlong, and it's probably going to win. Um, 101's fair. You know, it's, it's a class horse on its day. Uh, Keith Dalgleish improved Chichester from Stout for me um, for, for a while when he first got it. Um, and I just thought Sexton... A, a rather enormous twenty-five to one was a terrific value. I, I'd have it probably half that. You can get um, sure, you can get five plate five places each way, or if you can get on with um, with our friends at Betfair and Skybet. It's only twenty twos, but that is with five five places. Twenty-five I mean, to four places with William Hill at the that, moment, if you can get on. That's just incredible because. Ha- I mean, you've only got to look at the form. I mean, you just watch the Ascot race where Global Storm was five lengths in front of it, but you're getting seven pounds more. And obviously, a better, I mean, a better purse position, i.e. Sexton was drawn wide, missed the kick, had to drop right in, ended up, you know, on the uh, to the dead rail, um, or, or, you know, the, 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 all, all the way around. And I, I, ju- I just felt that Sexton had just far more to offer. Um than the, the price to Jeff. I just couldn't believe it. I thought, how have they put it in that? You know, I mean, Nicholas T for me won a won a won a free keyboard, um, as a, a freak at Northumberland plate. Um, the trader is what it is, exposed, Island Brave fairly exposed, Hockfeld exposed, possibly gets a loan run. All right, sunshine, I think's a bit doggy. Indianapolis doggy, autumn war, like you say, Andy, is, Yeah, is, you're not sure about him. You're not sure, you're not sure. No, I'm not um, sure. It's not a good race, this. It's not a good race to have something that basically is rate, that has been rated as high as 106, 108, you know, against mostly scrap. Um, so I, I cannot believe the price. So 25 to 1. It's always been a double figure. It's always been a double figure field, this as well, apart from 2018 and 2017 when 8 and 9 ran respectively. But uh, we have had some big fields that's usually sort of. You know, you're usually looking at 17, 17 last year, 16 the year before, uh, 17 in 2016, 16 in 2015 when Nikita won. Um, so it's always been that. So it's a relatively small field. And, you know, if you can get the old extra places with that, 
thought you might be having a yes there'll be some business done business <laughs> we're approaching business for that race anyway 3.30 the final race of the Haydock card for the uh, Saturday TV race obviously the big race of the Betfair Sprint Cup uh, Andy I'm going to come to you Starman is 10 to 11 a very heavily backed favourite at the moment I'd probably have to go all blogger on this really um, yeah. I mean it, I mean, it stayed dry they haven't watered they obviously wanted to attract Starman Um you know, and he did look pretty. You know, did look pretty decent at um, winning the old July Cup. He does look a decent horse. I suppose we've got to delve into the subsidiary markets for this. If you start looking at, if you don't want to be betting at, you know, even on the, even on the machine at the moment, you're betting about even money. I can see why some people would. It's not really for me. Look at the others. Uh, Creative Force probably wouldn't mind a little bit of a cut. He's a Jersey winner over seven furlongs. Um, I think he'd probably need a bit of a softer ground, and he's got a what couple of lengths to turn around with Starman from the July Cup. Uh, Glenn Shield was just behind Creative Force at Newmarket. I think his better form's probably on soft art art power. Um, wouldn't be wouldn't be for me particularly. I thought the, in, the if there was an interesting one in those without the favourites, other markets, you know the place markets, etc., etc. It was supremacy. Um, for, it was a Group One winner over six furlongs as a two-year-old. Um, he needed the run first time out. Missed Royal Ascot. Um, got a horrible draw in the July Cup in first-time blinkers when he stayed over the far side. I don't think he's had a real shot at anything like this for a, for a while. I do, as I've stated before, I quite like Clive Cox and these things. Drawn in three. I think you know he's a. He's a little bit overpriced in the context of the race. Um, I think he'd be one for me. If you can get on each way without the favourite, um, there's not many people do those markets, then that'd be the way I'd be going with uh, supremacy. But I might just have to try and have a bit of a dabble in the old place markets and have a dart at the uh, the win market because um, obviously it ain't that easy to get on with these lovely bookmakers these days. Indeed. Supremacy for Andy at big prices. Maybe look at the exotics and place markets um, in that. But like Andy says, Starman, that's for me anyway. The the, the, the Haydock clearly wanted it to make sure he turned up and they didn't want any overwatering and tops cutting off um, because otherwise the race would have been descended into a, a group three. Um, so, so, yep, Starman uh, agreed. John? Absolutely. Yeah. I uh, start the week I was trying to make the chase out for creative force, but the ground's gonna be so quick for him. Um Starman loves the surface. There's just no no real downside here. This is one of them rare sprints at group class these days where I think you can just say farm's gonna work out, just decide what you wanna win and back accordingly. Yeah. No, no com- completely concur. Um just a final note then, we've got the pre-moonline on Sunday. We've overran a bit, but um, so just time here. So I'm going to give you a simple yes or no choice. Baid at 7-4 to four on uh, for this race on Sunday. Um, are, we, are, are we having a 700 to win four, or, we, or, or are we laying a 400, uh, a 700 to lose 400? What are we doing, John? I wouldn't lay it because I'd feel an absolute tip because I've said all along this is a great one else. So I'd have mm. to back it. I wouldn't be happy about backing it, but I certainly wouldn't want to lay it. Right. Andy? 
uh, snap. Um, not my. I, I fully concur that some people. I, I fully concur. I can see that people. You know, it, it's just it's a matter of men, it's sort of mindset, really, isn't it? Um, I can see the value in backing short prices sometimes. If you think it's, you know, if you think this is a threes on shot and you're getting four to seven, then fair enough. Um, it's not my sort of bet, but I'd be with John here and I'd be a, if somebody put a gun at me, I'd be a backer rather than a liar. Yeah. Uh, I would say a backer at four to seven. I'd be having the seven hundred win four. I would make you about two to five to win this. Um, but that's we'll see what it's like on the day and we'll see where we're at. But yes, Baid looks the real deal. Certainly a disappointment that Poetic Flair couldn't take him on, but that's the way it is. We hope you enjoyed this show. Um, hopefully there's some winners there and some thoughts for you going forward into the weekend. Uh, we're back on Sunday, me and John on Sunday. And on Tuesday, as mentioned, it's me, Andy, Quentin Franks, um, and John for the for the uh, preview for uh, the Tuesday uh, St. Ledger preview. And then on Friday, the Ginger Hitler, Nick Davis, me and John, just to go through Saturday's uh, 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 fair for you there. So I hope you enjoyed it. That's all from us. Like We enjoyed it. Bye for now.